0: From the Capital City, I'm Kevin Allen. The 2022 Tourism Survey for Juneau is out. The survey was conducted by McKinley Research. 500 randomly selected residents were surveyed. 35% said tourism had a positive impact. 41% said both positive and negative impacts. And 16% said there's no impact. Juneau City tourism manager Alexandra Pierce spoke to those figures on Action Line. She talked about the contextual review of past responses.
1: We were at about 40 percent positive in um, 2002 and we're at 35 percent in 2022 both positive and negative creeped up a little bit 41 um, percent in 2022 from 37 percent back in 2002 and 33 percent last year and then you know negative impacts have stayed pretty steady at um, somewhere between six and eight percent with no impact being the highest in 2021, which um, but still not a huge change, 20% to, to 16% um, between 2021 and 2022, which is a little bit understandable coming off of the pandemic. We're asking people in 2021 to think back to 2019. So you know, to me, it helps me um, see whether there are major changes in the impacts to the community. Um these are these really aren't major changes.
0: The question of whether to cap ships in Juneau, about half of the respondents, 46 percent, are supportive of a five large ship limit. 60 percent said in another question that limiting large ships a day to five should be a high priority.
1: We had 43% say they were supportive and 26% said they were very supportive for a total of 69% with 20% either opposed or very opposed. And the five ship limit first showed up in our um, long range waterfront plan in 2004. So um, we've been talking about this for 20 years and our port capacity has been five ships for the past 20 years or so. And um, with the discussion around a potential fifth cruise ship dock, It's important that we maintain our current capacity and don't translate adding another dock, which may have benefits for vehicle management, congestion mitigation, some of the things that we were talking about in earlier parts of the survey by just moving a ship full of people outside of the downtown bottleneck.
0: And she further explained...
1: At the same time, if... That means adding a whole nother ship import that's ever available every day um, with the anchorage, then that's problematic and that doesn't meet our long-term tourism goals. So um, now we're trying to solidify that five-ship limit. Um, I presented the assembly with a range of options for that last night. Um, we're pursuing it through negotiation with the industry. Um, that's everybody's preferred, or I guess CBJ and the industry's preferred method at this point
0: juneau city tourism manager alexandra pierce a board that investigates airplane accidents says federal regulators should tighten rules for air tour operators in ketchikan to prevent more accidents there the national transportation safety board said yesterday that seven tour planes have crashed near ketchikan since 2007 killing 31 people The safety board says the Federal Aviation Administration should tighten rules about minimum visibility before flights can take off and should require more weather training for air tour pilots there. The safety board says the FAA has usually responded to previous safety recommendations with voluntary guidelines that haven't worked. A vessel ran aground Sunday, leaving one having to be rescued from an island and another that went overboard and is unaccounted for after search efforts. On Monday at 2.15 in the afternoon, the Alaska Wildlife Troopers were notified that on Sunday afternoon, the Randy Joe had run aground near Point Baker on Prince of Wales Island the boat was occupied by two of the incident both souls on board the vessel were able to get into a skiff and make it to a small rock before the boat and skiff were lost the woman spent over 24 hours on a rock island with her dog before being rescued by a good samaritan vessel and had declined medical evaluation the second adult that went overboard 27 year old point Baker resident arnie Dahl was not seen again after attempting to swim to the next island on November 27th. The U.S. Coast Guard and Wrangell Search and Rescue thoroughly searched the area for multiple hours for Dahl with no success. Next of Kin has been notified. With Christmas and the holiday season coming up, the Juneau policy on Christmas tree harvesting is that they can be harvested off city-owned property. The city said that households may harvest a Christmas tree between December 1st and the 25th of each year. Trees must be cut at ground level and discarded branches must be scattered around the harvest site. Trees may not be harvested from municipal lands that are used for parks, recreation sites, scenic corridors, schools, residential subdivisions, or public facilities, or from any muskeg areas or regions outside the city's wood-cutting area map. Lands and Resources Manager Dan Blydhorn spoke to that reminder during an Assembly Committee meeting.
2: People don't need to tell us when they harvest a Christmas tree. They kind of just go on, on do it on their own as long as they're following the rules. That being said, probably about six or seven years ago, we had a public outreach event where... The city and some Forest Service folks got together on Douglas and went out and harvested a few Christmas trees with people and kind of showed them what to do. And uh, so there was a handful of people at that event.
0: Uh, Can we have another one of those events, Mr. Lighthorn? Maybe not this year. Can we plan it for next year? It's something we can consider in the future, yes. Lands that fall within the woodcutting area map include lands near False Outer Point half-mile from the end of North Douglas Highway. Two more areas are Fritz Cove by Fish Creek and Cove Creek. The last area is near Bridget and Sunshine Cove. Maps are available online. On Monday, the cryptocurrency bank BlockFi filed for bankruptcy, the announcement coming less than three weeks after the financial implosion of FTX, one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges. The collapse of free-wheel-regulated cryptocurrencies is having an impact on investors who were at the bleeding edge of finance. But the impact on the $76.7 billion Alaska Permanent Fund has been muted, according to public records and statements from officials at the corporation that governs the fund. While the corporation's publicly listed assets don't include cryptocurrency, the Alaska Beacon reports that the fund has invested in companies that facilitate the trading of cryptocurrencies. Most of these investments are filed in the corporation's $15 billion private equity and special opportunities portfolio. The corporation's communications director, Pauline Swanson, said the fund has an indirect exposure of about $4 million to FTX through their private equity program. Altogether, their program has invested about twenty million into crypto related investments, has investments with a current value of seventy million, and has received distributions of seventy million. Funding could be coming to several housing developers in Juneau, and we'll have more on that after the break. You're listening to News of the North. The Juno Lands Housing and Economic Development Committee received an update on the distribution of the city's $2 million affordable housing fund. Joseph Myers, Housing and Land Use Specialist at CBJ, explained the resources that were made available for developers.
2: On July 6, 2022, the CBJ Assembly made $2 million available for use by eligible participants uh, in a round two funding uh, competition. This $2 million is allocated to eligible applicants at a maximum of $50,000 per unit created. Uh, For-profit developer projects, including Juno Affordable Housing Fund funds for affordable housing, must reserve at least 20% of units for tenants with gross incomes at 80% or less AMI for at least 10 years or the life of the loan.
0: Among those recommended for approval by staff was AWARE's Cordova Street Apartments, which is in its second round of funding for a project which is seeking to develop seven single-room occupancy units. This would be grant-funded at $200,000. Another is Clinkin and Haida Regional Housing Authority for Cowie Phase 1. They are seeking to construct 10 two- to four-bedroom homes for Juno residents in the first phase of a planned mixed-income subdivision. $500,000 in grant funding is recommended for this project. Rooftop Properties sought the funding for their Ridgeview project. It is in the first phase. Fa- it is the first phase in a 444 unit development project providing a mixture of middle-income and market rate units. 1.2 million dollars in loan funding was recommended. And St. Vincent de Paul's Teal Street, the second round of funding for continued re- rehabilitation of affordable housing for low-income residents. 100,000 in grant funding was recommended.
2: We went through, and by the end, uh, there was about $100,000 left. That's where we distributed it. So the committee recommends that the Lands, Housing, and Economic Development Committee move to recommend $2 million in uh, Juno Affordable Housing Fund funding for AWARE, Clinkett Haida Regional Housing Authority, Rooftop Properties, LLC, St. Vincent de Paul, and forward this to the Assembly for final
0: approval. The funding was forwarded to the full Assembly for approval. One more item the Assembly took up during their Committee of the Whole meeting this week was reviewing an ordinance codifying the Board of Equalization's process in addressing appeals. Mayor Beth Weldon spoke about that well on the morning show.
2: We finished off our evening looking at ordinance related to property tax appeals and codifying the Board of Equalization rules, the procedure, and that got moved to the Assembly with one minor amendment, um, which... If right now you get 15 minutes in your appeal to give your appeal, and we just change that if for uh, certain circumstances on the presiding officer's uh, discretion, you can have a little bit longer than that. So if you have a really complicated piece of property, um, that you can get a little more time on that. And that was the only appeal. That was the only amendment. So that moved to the assembly.
0: Mayor Weldon. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency announced yesterday that North Pacific Seafoods Incorporated of Seattle paid a $345,000 penalty for Clean Air Act violations at two of its facilities in NACNIC. As a result of an investigation, EPA discovered North Pacific Seafoods was operating three solid waste incinerators that lacked any emission control or monitoring systems. Seafoods also failed to meet waste management plan requirements, operator training and qualification requirements, emissions testing, record keeping and monitoring requirements, according to a release from EPA. The incinerators were primarily used to burn clean paper, cardboard and clean wood waste. EPA said emissions from the incinerators could expose communities to harmful air pollutants that can cause eye, nose, throat and skin irritation, reproductive effects and cancer. The company agreed to shut down the three incinerators rather than bring them into compliance with Clean Air Act requirements. The U.S. Senate has passed landmark bipartisan legislation to protect same-sex marriages. It's an extraordinary sign of shifting national politics on the issue and measure of relief for the hundreds of thousands of same-sex couples who have married since the Supreme Court's 2015 decision that legalized gay marriage nationwide. The bill approved Tuesday would ensure that same-sex and interracial marriages are enshrined in federal law. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the legislation is a long time coming and part of America's difficult but inexorable march towards greater equality. Senate Democrats are moving quickly to send the bill to the House and President Joe Biden's desk. Also on Tuesday, congressional lawmakers from Oklahoma, Ohio, Kansas, and Alaska introduced a resolution to recognize the month of November as National Native American Heritage Month. Sponsors said the resolution recognizes the distinct and important contributions of Native Americans along with the commitment to strengthen the United States government-to-government relationship with Native nations. Alaska Congresswoman Mary Peltola says the resolution exemplifies the incredible respect she and her colleagues have for indigenous communities. The Thanksgiving travel period went unusually smooth over the past week, and the airlines say that's a result of lessons learned after summer meltdowns and good weather. ABC's Alex Stone explains Among the big three legacy airlines, United, Delta, and American, more than 99% of flights took off over the Thanksgiving travel period. On Sunday, the TSA screened the most passengers since the start of the pandemic, and it went smoothly. During the last week, United had only one canceled flight at its hub in Chicago. It canceled no flights in the U.S. at all last Wednesday. Delta had no canceled flights on Sunday and only 15 in total for the past week. American Airlines' mainline flights saw four zero cancellation days over Thanksgiving. Alex Stone, EBC News. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date for News of the North. This is Kevin Allen.